Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Welcome to Conversations with Warrior Women. I'm Liz Swadek, and I must confess that my warrior women skills are being tested on a whole new level. Patience, stillness, calmness, all of these I'm practicing as I tell you what a hard time this is for me, for you, for everyone. My dog's just galloped into the room. So if you hear dogs barking, you're going to hear dogs barking. Um, but anyway, thank you for your messages. I know you're struggling. I am too. You know, here's the good news. This is temporary. This is turbulence, but we're going to get off the plane. We are a community and we're going to keep fighting all the negativity and keep our sanity intact. And just what we need right now and what's working for me right now is having a schedule, getting some exercise, you know, letting myself off the hook when I want to do nothing, virtual cocktail parties, virtual play dates, and then really just getting outside, even a little walk around the neighborhood is a great thing. It really is. So get a little sunshine on your face. All this is keeping me going, so let it keep you going. And tell me what you're doing to keep going. DM me and let me know what you're doing to kind of keep yourself going during this time. And this podcast is really designed to inspire you and take your mind off the world for a minute. Let's think about other things. Let's motivate ourselves. So let's get started today. If you want to find out more about me and the podcast, you can go to thewarriormoms.co and click on the podcast link. And if you like the podcast, please leave us a positive review. It moves us up in the rankings and keeps us bringing you more warrior women. Remember to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify to keep up to date with all the new episodes and all these great conversations as warrior women. I have a new favorite bathing suit. Actually, I have four new favorite bathing suits. Two full pieces and two bikinis. That's right, I said bikinis from Swimmanista. You guys remember I interviewed Andrea Bernholtz on my podcast. I mean, what is more girl power than being on a girl's weekend with your girlfriends and realizing we all hate our bathing suits? You know why? Because they're uncomfortable. They hang on our necks. They are, they rub us the wrong way. We fall out of them. We don't look good. Well, guess what? Swimmanista has changed all of that. Now you can look good. You can be in a flattering suit that looks good no matter your size. It will give you the confidence to celebrate your own body. And she has already figured out how to do this ecologically. She uses luxury recycled fabrics to create her entire collection. Okay, guys, my favorite. I know, I know, you don't want to talk about a bikini, but let me just tell you. I've been working out and I feel pretty good. And these bikinis are flattering. They come high enough up. They hold everything in. My favorite top the bikini top is the happy top. It's part active, part swim. It's sexy. It has a strappy tie back design with a front V string detail. And it has a lot of support. It's padded. It also has hidden elastics. All her suits are adjustable in the front and the back. She has a bunch of different tops and bottoms and gorgeous full pieces. You guys, you got to try swimmy stuff. That's swim. I-N-I-S-T-A. You can go to swimmanista.com and put in my code, WARRIOR20, with all caps, WARRIOR20, and get 20% off. 
Swimmingista, you guys, you have never had a suit feel this comfortable and look this good. My guest on the show today is Brienne Davis. She has been an actress for the last 20 years in a number of films and TV, but most recently on regular on History Channel 6, Lucifer, Casual, True Blood, and the feature film Jarhead opposite Hadi Patati, Jake Gyllenhaal. I still love my Jake. She's also a producer, a director, and a writer with several TV shows in development. She's a wife, a mother, and a recovering sex and love addict. Oh, surprised, aren't you? Yes. Don't think sex and love can be an addiction? Well, guess what? Brienne is here to set us straight. Brienne, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I'm so glad to have you because, first of all, I need to take my mind off of everything that's going on in this crazy lunatic world that we're in right now. But secondly, I have to say, I, I know you kind of through a mutual friend and I would just never guess yeah. that you are a sex and love. I, that would, I mean, you don't, you don't, I'm looking at you, you're beautiful. I would not just look at you and be like, yes, uh-huh, her, she's the one. So I guess that's sort of the story. But tell me about kind of like your life before recovery and tell me like how you, how, how you got to this point. Um, well, when I think back and when I started this journey, I was, I probably was a sex addict, a sex and love addict at a very young age. I saw too many romantic movies like Romeo and Juliet growing up when I was six years old, you know, and at our house, we like lived with movies and Shakespeare. So I definitely saw things too early, too young, but then coming from the tip, Brian, by the way, for the most But my parents were like bohemian-esque, so they thought it was cool, you know? But when I think about it, my vision of love came from Romeo and Juliet. Like, if it wasn't, if somebody didn't want to kill somebody else by the end of it, it wasn't real. It wasn't passionate enough. Like, to be in love, you had to almost want to die for the other person. Like, there was this false sense of drama attached. So... When I look back and I came from a broken home, so I never had a healthy relationship modeled for me. So when I hit that like pubescent teen, 13, and you start developing as a woman, you see your power you have over men. And I just hit the ground running. I remember the first time I got my hit, I had a boyfriend and another boy like kissed me in secret at a party. And I'm not joking you to this day. I'm still chasing that high of like the secret and like that kiss. And it was like adrenaline shot up my body. Wow. Yeah. So I've been, I would say since I was that young, I just, you know, like to find something outside of myself to fix the inside. Yes. Yes. You know, whether I mean, it I is feel like teenagers, I mean, I don't know how old you were. Maybe you were even younger when you were telling me this, your first set, but <laughs> I feel like, I mean, my God, I have my high school diary and I could just write a book, but just about <laughs> that the drama and I loved the drama, but this uh, seems to me different what you're saying. I feel like what you're saying to me is on a crazy deeper level. Like there was a feeling like you're even like, like you can remember the first, uh, like, I don't remember my first dumb drama and some dumb boy that I, you know, and I probably did dumb things like kiss somebody else and have a boyfriend and be happy that the other one was miserable or whatever. I'm sure I did that. I'm, I know I did. But I'm sure we all did. <laughs> we all, we all did. But the way you're describing this 
is really like a drug. Yeah. I needed a jolt always. If I wasn't getting attention, flirting, intrigue, you know, if I didn't walk down the street and get certain looks, I would think something is wrong with me. If I didn't have one or two guys at a time, I would be like, whoa, whoa, I need more attention. And as soon as like the year of the relationship, I would get bored and I would be like, this is not fun anymore. And I go find somebody else. And it was like, I was always doing that over and overlapping them and making up lies and secrets. And it was just this constant cycle of like, it's never enough. Nothing is ever enough. And And did it it escalate? Like, did it? Oh, Oh boy, girl. Oh girl. Oh girl. girl. So So then take us through. So how, go ahead. You know, it just went on for years. I I would get caught cheating or I would get caught, you know, telling a lie. And then I would spin another lie and then I would find somebody else. And I love to find men in different cities because they would never, you know, like. Oh, they wouldn't talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They would never meet. So especially being an actress, my job is great for that. You know, going on location, going in this fake reality. But then. I just want to make it clear to everybody that's listening. It's not just actors and people in entertainment. There is every walk of life in this program. I've I've been sober for 10 years now. I've been in the program for almost 11 years. And it's a school teacher. It's a, you know, UPS driver. It's executives. It's agents. it's, It's literally every walk of life. If you walk down the street of New York, Every single person you meet would be in that meeting. And that's the beautiful thing. It's not just, she's an actress, she blah, blah, blah. You know, it's every walk of life you can imagine in the program. And what, what, what made you, how did you know like this was beyond, I guess, just, you know, being dramatic or just being like dysfunctional or toxic or, you know what I mean? All the things that we would label like when you're just making really bad choices, self-destructive behavior. How did you know it was... I mean, obviously all those things too, but yeah, how yeah. you know it was be- beyond that? Like you needed okay. help. So this is what I, I'm, my boyfriend at the time who I will tell you now is my husband. Oh, well, that's um, awesome. Yeah. We've been together for 15 years in January. Um, a close friend of ours died. Two days later, I found myself on location on a movie set acting out again. And this is a man I'm, my husband is, someone I love. I respect. He is my equal. There's no power struggle. I always feel when there's a relationship, there's a power struggle. Something is off in that relationship or a relationship that has a lot of drama. Healthy relationships don't have drama. And we had a very healthy relationship. So when I went on location and did this, I remember like floating out of my body thinking, am I going to be doing this the rest of my life? Am I going to be 60 years old, always trying to find this man mm. that is going to fulfill me and, and, and do everything I want him to do, be this perfect human being, which we know doesn't exist because we're all humans and we're all flawed. But, and here's this person I love and I respect and is my best friend. And if I wasn't with my husband, I would want to be his best friend. So I said, something is really wrong inside of me. It can't be everybody else not giving me what I need. Something is missing. So I am broken somehow. 
So that's how I really hit my knees. It was an out-of-body experience. It's like I was like floating outside of myself thinking, like in a movie or something. Like watching yourself. Yeah, Yeah, I was watching myself. What are you doing? What is this? Why do you keep doing this? this? You're hurting other people. You're about to blow up your life for nothing. For nothing. Because like intrigue and flirting and all that is just air. It doesn't mean anything. I actually say it's like you're raping someone else for their energy to fill you when you like flirt oh, and intrigue yes. and use other people. But I just want to say also, I did it with girlfriends. I would like have drama in my life and I would call a girlfriend, keep her trapped on the phone for 30 minutes, telling her my drama and After I got off, if she didn't make me feel better, I would pick up the phone and do it to another friend. And I was like, why am I using people to make me feel better? Like, that's not fair. That's my bottom. That's how it happened. Yeah. And did you, I mean, did you go to a meeting? Like, what? how did you even, like, begin the journey to, like, kind of help? Okay, so you had this realization, right? Right. Knew you'd made a string of crazy bad choices and this great guy. And you're like, you know what? I, if I'm still wanting to make crazy bad choices and I've got this great guy, now I know I got a big, big, huge problem. How did you like begin to try to help yourself? So the luckily thing I was already in therapy. Okay. So luckily I was already doing some self work because I I was getting older and, you know, coming up on your thirties, you have these like, is this what I want to do? You have all those, you know, there's a transition. So I was already in therapy, luckily. So when I went back, I said, I don't know what's wrong with me. And I remember my therapist looked at me and she said, I've been thinking of this for a while. I, she said, the first time I met you, you looked like a high class call girl, not physically the mask you wore. Oh, that was so fascinating. It was like that I had this mask of like a high class prostitute, which at the time I was really pissed, but now I'm like grateful. And she said, I've been thinking this for a while. I think you have a problem with sex and love. And I'm like, huh? And she's like, there's meetings in LA. LA is the biggest community. You know, maybe you should think about going. So when I got out of that session, luckily my husband is, was all already like 25 years sober in another program. And he's been sober a really long time. And I called him and I was like, ah, I'm a, she told me I'm a sex and love addict. Like hysterically oh crying. God. And this is, my God is bigger than me. I got home and he printed up the schedule and highlighted every meeting in LA. And oh. fear, like you should go. <laughs> what a great support for you. Yeah. And by the way, such a blessing too. You're right that he had already been through the program. So he knew the success that these programs really do yield. I mean, and the thing is too, I also told, I would, for, for the first couple of years together, I was like, every time we would go to like a meeting or a group or something, I'd be like, I'm so jealous you have a group. I want a group. And then we were like, careful, <laughs> you wish. There you go. You got one. <laughs> There you go. Got your group. Yeah, I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) But you had to be terrified going to this first meeting. I can't even imagine being a fly on that damn wall. So tell me, tell me about that. Like, first of all, I would think I was like so much better than everyone else. I'd be like showing up like, I don't know who you crazy people are, but I'm, I just have a tiny problem. Like, I'm cool. Like, I'm going to come in here and be like, you, I don't even know. I can't relate. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I mean, we have 
when I started, the community was so small. And now you go, it's like 80 people in a meeting. It's they're huge wow. and younger and younger generations, which I think is amazing because of this social media generation, how they swipe left, swipe right, always looking for instant gratification. Yeah. So I feel like this problem is actually getting worse, our disconnection from reality and each other. Yes. So the community's huge now. I can't even tell you. Oh my but God. But when I first came into the meeting, it was like a 7.30 meeting at night on a Wednesday. I had a hat on. I'm like, ooh, what if somebody recognizes me? Like I'm that famous. Like, I'm like, <laughs> it's like all like, oh my God. What yeah. if somebody recognized me? And, it, and I <laughs> sat in the meeting the entire time and I just listened and I was bawling crying. And it wasn't because of sadness though. It was like the first time in my life I understood that I wasn't alone. And I understood that I wasn't broken. I just didn't have the tools and to grow up. I didn't get the tools to create a healthy relationship and what that looks like. So it kind of relieved. It was like the clouds opened up for me. Not that it wasn't painful. It was very, very, very painful. Uh, the first nine months was excruciatingly painful. Um, but yeah, it, that my first meeting was terrifying, but it was also like, these are my people. You know? Well, that's gotta be a freaking huge relief. I mean, to uh, me, if I'm, if I'm, you know, if I'm hearing somebody say the very thing I'm thinking or having the very same, ex- I feel so much better. I love yeah. to not feel like I'm alone. So that had to be incredible to like go in the room and hear some people saying things that were in your mind. Yeah. And it was, it was interesting. The first person I heard speak, it was this guy that was completely opposite than me. He was like rock and roll star kind of guy. And he said everything I have ever done. And we couldn't be more opposite. And to see this man, like, it was just like eye opening for me. Like I am not alone. I am not a bad person. We all make mistakes. I was trying the best I could, but I'm an adult now and I have to step into being an adult. I have to really commit. I have to be honest. I have, you know, all those things that I just thought I was one of those people that just didn't care about other people, had no compassion, had no empathy. Like when I saw a man cry, I used to want to laugh. I'd be like, suck it up, dude. You know, but it's because inside I was crying. I was unavailable. So it just shut that part of yourself off. So you couldn't even access. Yeah. Yeah. It was like gone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. Crazy. Okay. So you go, you go to the meetings, you, you start to get help. Did you start to kind of, after this nine months kind of, of, I don't know, going to the meetings regularly, I'm assuming, did you start to feel like, okay, I've got, I got a little more of a handle on it. Like where, how does that, I mean, I guess, is it like everything else? Is it like drinking and and drugs and everything? Is it so, is it like that? I mean, I know people probably don't think it's like that. Right. But it is. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. I remember after a year, this guy came in and he said, I can quit heroin, but I cannot quit her. More people. I don't think under people, people understand more people murder other people you know, steal, sell drugs because of other bad relationships. I've spoken at jails for three years and every woman in the jail was in there because of her sex and love addiction, because they murdered somebody, they murdered a man she did that cheated on them. You know, I know people that committed suicide. Love is the most intoxicating drug. 
more than any other drug. Oh my God. when you come in or you are trying to get better, you go through a withdrawal, a physical withdrawal. Sometimes you actually get very sick. My withdrawal was nine months. And I'm talking nine months crying every day, mm. crawling on the floor with this. this my, my therapist used to say, you have to dig through the shit to get to your gold. So if you can imagine traumatizing yourself over and over again, bad relationships, being dishonest, you know, growing up trauma, molestation, if you pile all that on and you just keep pushing it down, that, that trash can is going to explode. Oh yeah. So if you can imagine a withdrawal where you stop using, you stop shopping, you stop eating, you stop over-exercising, you stop talking to men, you don't have any male friends, you stop Whatever your ism is, because I believe everybody has a sort of ism we use to not feel sometimes. Um, if you get rid of that, everything has to come out. You can't yeah. hold it in anymore. You're not using all that behavior. So a withdrawal for a sex and love addict is just as painful as a drug withdrawal. It's actually longer. It takes longer because it's like every you can't use anything anymore. So for me, it was well, you're also nine. out in the world with people. So how do you kind exactly. of? I always like. I have to tell you, I always felt so bad for people who had eating disorders or, or food addictions because you have to eat. Like I mean, this yeah. is what this is what drives me crazy. Like if you're not drinking, yes, I mean that's hard because well, it's very black and white. You drink and you don't drink. Right, you can avoid a bar. I mean, yes, I could. Yeah. You could hide stuff in your house, sure. But I feel like love addiction, sex, like how do you just, I mean, what do you do for that? Like, are you, what are you cold turkeying? Are you not talking to any, like, is it specific for every person? I guess maybe you're for you, like not having friendships with men, not talking to men, not, I mean, did you have to kind of put yourself on like a regimen? Yeah. Well, you have a sponsor, obviously you can't, your, uh, mind cannot have the solution. You know, you've had an addict mind, so you, there's no way you can come up with a solution. So you go turn to somebody else and, you know, for, you know, eating disorders or money problems or sex and love, you can't live without those things. No. So it's not like you have to, you ha- usually have to get rid of them somehow and then bring them back in a healthier way. So for me, my things I wasn't allowed to do, I had no guy friends. I got rid of all of them. I didn't actually talk, text, or email any guys. I, even a waiter, I would look down and not look at the waiter. Like I didn't want to have any energy exchange with any male outside of my relationship. But then on top of it, my husband and I, we didn't have intimacy for a year. I was incapable of being intimate because I wasn't intimate with myself. How can I give myself to somebody else if I don't even have myself, even know what I am right. as a whole person? Right. But everybody's is different. Some people, you know, have a porn problem. Some people have a masturbating problem. Some people, you know, have multiple girlfriends. Some people pick very unavailable people and they keep doing it. So it's everybody's is different. That's why it's so complicated, but it's so universal. Yeah. You know, I'm sitting next to like a 40 year old Asian woman. On the other side is a 70 year old, uh, old grandma. That's just a lesbian. I'm like, everybody is so different and they all have the same problem. It's so fascinating. That's crazy. I know you wrote a book about this. Tell, tell me the title and, and what made you write a book about it? Cause you know, I could see how somebody, especially like you, you've got this kind of big career, like 
maybe it's not a great idea that you come and tell everybody this, Brianne. I don't know. But, no. but then I think it's so amazing that you are doing that because you're helping people. So, I mean, I really appreciate that you're doing that. So tell, tell us about the book. Well, it wasn't ever planned. I was actually never going to come out. I mean, I mean, I just got my 10 years this December, which is a huge accomplishment. Yes, yes. Actually, it's really hard to get time. So I'm very proud of it. And I was about to shoot a movie and my husband you know, said, I really think you should be writing. And I'm like, I am not a writer. I do not want to be a writer. This is not something I want to do. And he's like, and he kept saying it like every couple of months, he's like this writing program, just do it. You know, it's not that much money. You don't even have to tell anybody, just do it. And if you hate it, you can just stop, you know, it's, and I'm like, Oh, get off my back, dude. You know, like, (laughs) and he's, and I said, fine, I'll do it, but I'm not telling anybody. And then I started taking this online writing class and it poured, it's a 90 day class and it poured out of me. I got done with the book in 45 days. What like, is this class? I need to know what it is. I'll let you know. It's this, um, his, I can't remember the name of it, but I'll give you the link. Yeah, we'll amazing. put it in the show notes in case somebody wants to yeah. write about it. Yeah. And I just, it poured out of me and then I got it edited and it, and, and, and I did the rewrites and this was like in the 90 days while I was shooting a movie and it's just bigger than me. I've been speaking all over the world. I have sponsees all over the world. And it's like, the book is called uh, A Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. So it's really funny and sarcastic and self-deprecating. But there's these 10 rules that she finds out she wants to live by to have a sober life. And it's, it's, it's really like, it's hilarious, actually. But it just came out of me. Well, and it's I not said, a memoir. It's a novel? Yeah, it's a or is it in between. It's in between. It's in between. Like yeah. at the beginning of it, it says, you know, some of the most of these are my stories, but I won't tell you which one. You'd have to murder or stab someone in the balls to find out. Like, but enjoy yeah. this, you know, raunchy goodness. It says something like that because some of them are, most of them are my stories, but they're, you know, I had to change all the names, obviously. Yes. Um, but it just, it, this just became bigger than me. It became, I see so many people on, people I work with and on sets and I travel and it's just like so many people are suffering from this and there's an answer and a way out and a way out because they think, most people think it's like sexy to be a sex and love addict as a woman, which it's not, using people is not hot or attractive. No. And and also, I uh, they it's a fad or a phase. And well, I don't think they think it's real. I mean, I think people would maybe believe a man could be a sex of course, addict. Always, I don't, be- I don't know if people would believe that women could be sex addicts, and that I think that's bizarre. But I, I think the the men. Real- that's the thing. There, fifty percent of the meetings is women, and men. A lot of men are love addicts that you wouldn't even imagine are love addicts. They're like in love with falling in love, you know. But isn't the world? If you turn on the radio. Almost every song is about somebody breaking up with somebody or falling oh, in love. No, 100%. Being yeah, 100%. Yeah. But the, the gist of it, I wrote the book. I was never going to do anything with it. And it's just pushing me to get it out there and get it out there. And, you know, I'm like, you know what? God has a plan that's bigger than me. And if I have to come and be have honesty about my disease that I'm actually very grateful I have because I have self-love and self-worth and nothing outside of me fixes me anymore. I fix me. And I say this a lot, which, you know, if people that, you know, I talk to people, sometimes it makes them mad. But I said, if my husband left me today, I would be okay. Like, I know 
when I go to my grave, I know that I had love for myself and worth and no one can ever take it away from me. Well, so, that's, I mean, that's worth going on any journey. I'm just saying that's, yeah. that's a big thing. That's a hard, that's a hard thing to achieve and a great thing to achieve. Yeah. And that's the whole actual point. It's not about finding the perfect partner or that all this work is actually about just finding the love, like your authentic love, your the love for yourself. Yeah. The love yeah. for yourself. Tell exactly. me, I mean, in this, I, I really thought of this today because I thought, oh my God, and we're going to talk about sex and love addiction. What are people doing right now? I mean, we are like shut-ins in our little houses. A lot of us are on lockdown. A lot of us are, you know, in our houses. How in the world? I mean, you must be getting calls left and right from people that your sponsees are, you know, what, how are people coping with this? I just, I was thinking about like women who are in an unhappy relationship or in an addictive relationship, and now they're just trapped with the person in their house. Like, what can you... What are you finding out there and what can we say to those women? You know, it's different with every woman and every situation is different. I think for me, this is bigger than us. This movement, this, you know, even though it's the virus is scary and it's unknown, it's showing that we don't have any control over anything in our lives. And it's going to really put a mirror in front of everybody's face if this is how they really want to live and who they really So I, even though some people are struggling, I say, lean into the struggle, like allow it to be uncomfortable, do the work, ask yourself, why am I having so much trouble in this relationship? This should not be hard. A healthy relationship is not a hard relationship. Yes, you go through hard times, but there's this thing where if it's like drama equals not healthy for me that I find, um, So if you're struggling, you're with someone you don't love, maybe it's time to really dig deep and see if that is the the path you want on this lifetime. That's how I, I I don't tell everybody to leave because I didn't leave. I didn't have a bad relationship. I just didn't know how to be available. But I'm just saying like, it's a reassessment time. It's a realignment time and it's a time to dig deep. It is. I mean, I think What's hard is there's so many other pressures. I mean, we're just like upset about toilet paper. Hello. Oh, God. Um, I still haven't got toilet paper. (laughs) Girl, I have no toilet paper. I mean, like, I'm literally like holding on to my tiny squares. I'm holding on to my tiny squares. Like, I still like you so much, and I'm like, just a couple. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. Even with paper towels, I'm like, well, the, I have the selective size, but it's still not, it's like half the selective size. That's enough. I mean, really, I'm down to, the, down to nothing. But if you think about it, it's like the earth is saying, you guys need to reevaluate how you function on my planet. That's how I feel it is. No, it is. It is. <laughs> Sadly, it is that. And, you know, when I see the pollution getting better, I'm like, oh, well, maybe we all needed to stay home for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. So tell me what other projects do you have coming up? Tell us about anything we should be looking. I know we're going to look for this book. When, when, when can we expect this book coming out? I think at the end of spring, it's supposed to be coming out. I'm just, we're trying to figure it out now. So maybe I'll like give you the update. And you can yes. Give me, on yeah, perfect. Perfect. Cool. Yes. And what's, what else, what's coming up for you? Uh, Lucifer, I'm on the new ep- a new season of Lucifer on Netflix, which is hilarious. And then I have to see that. Tell me, what is the premise of this show? Because I have not seen this. It's about the devil. Oh my it's god, the are devil. you the devil? Like, what are you on this show? I play detective dancer. I can't really tell. You're, we're not allowed to tell anything. Uh, but okay, don't it's tell. Quite me. fun. She's okay. a good character. Okay. Um, 
And then I have the movie, The Surrogate coming out and I have the book coming out and I've started on the second book and I have two shows I'm pitching right now. So we're actually pretty busy with a toddler. I have a toddler. Oh my gosh. That'll keep you busy right there. Oh my God. He's 23 months, about to be two and he's already throwing tantrums. So I have my hands. (laughs) You got the tantrum twos in the house. Oh, I do. It's oh my terrible. lord! Oh my lord! Table two is coming at you. Um, <laughs> tell me, tell me. You were talking about your projects. It made me think of something. Oh, I was thinking as you were telling me about your book, and we were talking about kind of growing up and you know healthy relationships. It made me think like I kind of want you to do a book on like wh- like a little bit of like a you know mo- mother daughter or like what is a healthy relationship look look like when you're like a teen, you know, like one of those books that we could like share with our tweeny teenies so they don't get all wrapped up in like the wrong thing. Yeah. No, that would be a great book. Uh, maybe we can coordinate on it. Okay. But- I don't know. I just was thinking I would <laughs> have that book to share with my daughter. I mean, she is turning, she's turning 11 today. Oh, happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> um, so I was thinking that's a, that would be a really good book. I've, I've done a couple articles about relationships and kids and like how to spot like because even for girls they don't really know like if a guy is being abusive right they don't always know how to recognize that because they'll be like oh well it's cool because he's ignoring me and he stopped texting me or he told me I can't see my friends oh he must really like me and I'm like oh uh, 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 and that's what society allows too I think it's a whole shift in society and the male female relationship we really have to look at and how we uh, genders, how we portray them. Like a man cannot cry. A boy cannot cry. They have to be strong and, you know, cool. And then a woman has to be feminine and, and be a certain way and put up, you know, and then if you put on, you know, the social media with our young, the young kids, it, it's just a recipe for disaster mm-hmm. on top of porn is way too accessible for young children these days. I, you know, it takes away the romanticism and, and connection of intimacy with partners. So I think it's a whole shebang we have to reevaluate. Yeah, well, especially with the, you know, them on social media all the time, which is actually even being in person. So that's a whole other, that's a whole other show, Brianne. Yeah, we'll show. do another show later. Another show on that. Okay, we're on to the speed round, Brianne. You're not oh, going to wait for me until the speed round questions. Okay. What is your mantra or quote that you live by? Uh, you take it, God. Oh, ooh, I love that one. You yep. take it, God. Even if you don't have a God, if you're going through something, go, you take it, God. And I always like throw my hands up in the air, like, you take it. I can't handle it. You take it. You take it. Oh, so it, I love this. it's like turning it over, you know, like, let go, let God. Yes. Like that. You take it. I love it. it. What simple thing do you do for yourself, like a self-care thing? A bath. Yes. A bath and music. Just yeah. like laying in the bath, just, you know. Dude, I feel like a bath is like, I go back to being like a little embryo. I am like yeah. in my embryonic state yeah. in the bath. Like I could literally live in a bath. I could live there yeah. and just, we could do the podcast from there. It'd be great. We could, we actually could do that. I might have to do that because <laughs> I'm in this house long enough. Like I'm going to get creative. Yeah. Um, what makes you feel unstoppable? Uh, ending the day after with my toddler. Like <laughs> I feel <laughs> when I tuck him in, it is like I can do anything after dealing you with it. You made it. 
I remember those days. I now have like a 13 and now 11 as of today. And I'm telling you, I remember there was like a time, right? Like, you know, when their bedtime is like, it's like, oh yeah, you're counting and you were like, I got two more hours. I got two more hours until you are going to sleep, my friend. And I, and it's like, you want to high five yourself (laughs) and you're like, I made it through this day. And then literally 30 minutes later, you're like, oh, I miss them. I know. You said, yeah, let's wake him up. No. <laughs> Who do you most admire? My husband. My husband. He is the best person I have ever met. He he does what he says he's going to do and he is always driven to be a better person and anybody like that I admire. Well, he I mean from what you're telling me that man is really in your corner and it's uh, it's really I it's super loving and wonderful. To even he makes hear. me a better person. I'm yeah. a not a nice person. He makes me a better person. I think you're a nice person. <laughs> um, what's exciting you the most right now? Exciting me the most right now? I think it's writing. I think doing something I never envisioned for myself. Ever. I never envisioned being a writer. And it's like, I am... I am creating this and no one can, cause I'm an actor. So it's like a group thing. You go in on set, but this is something that's just me. Like it's all my doing. And my husband and I just got done with our first draft of one of our shows. So I think turning that first draft in, I, I just was like, Oh my God, I did this. You it's know? so fun too to do like, to be getting like to do a different season of your life and trying something new and going for it. I really think women need to do that. Like, I don't care what it is that you've been putting off or giving yourself an excuse over, but, or saying you can't do it or you don't want to do it or whatever. But like, look at that, right? Like you've done it and look at what's happening. Yeah. And, oh, and I'm going through this little, you know, horrible apocalypse we're going through. (laughs) I'm going to learn how to make bread. (laughs) <laughs> oh, what kind of bread are you going to make? Did you get a bread maker? No, I'm going to do it the old school way. I don't Shut know. Up. You're I'm not gonna... even going to use a bread maker? You're going to do it in the oven like a crazy person? I am. I'm going to go like great British baking championship. Oh. Situation. Yeah. What kind of bre- should, I think you should share your bread recipe with us too. We'll put it in okay. the show notes. Well, gonna... I'm going to start really simple. So I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. I made Irish soda bread and it looked like a cow pie. I'll take a picture. It was not attractive, Brianne. I'm just saying, I I really went for it. And then it came out of the oven and I was like, is that edible? I don't know. (laughs) It's good, but it sure looks like shit. Literally. (laughs) I'll let you know. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brianne, for joining me today. It was so lovely to talk to you. And I really cannot wait to read this book because... It sounds like as much as it's going to like help people and stuff, it also sounds like it's going to be really entertaining, <laughs> entertaining read from you. So yes. thank you so much. And thank you for sharing all this with our audience. Thank you well, so much. Well, I, I just want to help. If you're struggling, there is an answer. There's a community. There's people that have the same problem as you. Like you do not have to do this painful journey alone. Ah, oh, but no better words said. You do not have to do this painful journey alone. Take yeah. that word. All right. Well, thank you for joining me today. And remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast. And I'm Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye, guys. <laughs>